Welcome in football fans. We are coming to you here in the evening, burning the midnight oil after a long day of week one NFL. You would think we would be tired and need to get some shut eye. No, we are here giving our takes, giving our reactions. You didn't think I was going to not give you some content after week one, a phenomenal week one. I, I don't know how long the run the NFL is going to have and sustain here as we move forward. Because right now it's just, it's the pinnacle. People are glued to their televisions, fantasy football, in the stadiums, in our living rooms, at bars, wherever. People cannot keep their eyes off NFL games. Even the Texans in the Colts. 2020 tie. Worst game of the day, probably. And it was something that my friend texted me about because they were talking about the punt that Indianapolis gave. They, they, they were feeding me some stat about analytics and how they should have gone for it. And I just had to stop and think, this was the worst game of the day. We just got done watching Pittsburgh and Cincinnati go to overtime. And then you had another great game with the Bears and the Niners in a sloppy, wet game at Soldier Field. Uh, of course, he also had the late afternoon slates of games, uh, even the Giants and the Titans. Just an absolute all-time week one beginning for the NFL. And we're, we're going to talk about it. Albert Pools also passed A-Rod today, which I, I always hate that. Great September baseball gets overshadowed by the NFL. Even even I, I just I'm glued to the NFL week one and and even two and three, and then I kind of you know get back into the baseball side of things. Of course, on the weekdays too, but um, just phenomenal sports time, especially for the podcast. And good morning, because you're probably catching this here on Monday, perhaps Monday evening or Tuesday. We appreciate you choosing the podcast. Tell your friends about it, and uh, yeah, let's get to week one. I'm just pulling up my timeline here, or my uh, my uh, thread on kickers from week one here. If you're not following at Pete4C on Twitter, give all my stream of consciousness during uh, during the Sundays in which the NFL is playing, and we got 18 more of these. Ugh, just I cannot wait. It's awesome. Football is back. Um, McPherson for the Bengals, Blankenship for the Colts, York for the Browns, Boswell, the Steelers, Bullock, the Titans, all had impact plays on their teams here in week one. And it, that's one thing that was, I'm not going to say overlooked, but just something that was not really mentioned enough about the Bengals making to the Super Bowl, along with Burrow and just his ability to um, overcome bad sacks is that they had McPherson, a rookie kicker, just nailing big time kicks, and it allows the offense to call the game differently and the defense to call the game differently, knowing that you got a big time leg in your back pocket. And also, when your kicker misses it, th- those are hidden points, much like hidden yards with penalties. You, you do, those are points that are left out there on the field, and of course. In the Bengals and Steelers game, that was on full display. And then the Colts kicker missed one. Um, and uh, and Bullock for the Titans. It's a big part of the game, man. And, and it's a direct result of roster building and coaching. And I just think with some of these general managers, they get obsessed with the rookie contract with the quarterback and then giving up on veteran talent that they did not sign. I'm talking to you, Chicago Bears, even though they got a W today. These GMs and these coaches are just so quick to just clear the deck 
and get rid of folks, and then they forget about the fundamentals. And it's like, you know, sometimes you should just hang on to some good things. And credit to the Bengals. They drafted a kicker. York for the Browns. They drafted one, the only one this year. Paid off. It paid off. Now, I know McPherson missed a kick, um, but it paid off for him last year. He's going to be a great kicker as time moves forward here. But you look at the teams like uh, uh, the Packers, who have uh, his name's escaping me right now, but he, he sits on the plane with uh, Rodgers. Butker, he was hurt in the game for the Chiefs. Another guy that's made big-time kicks. Boswell, Steelers. They've all been around. you got to have a good kicker. And it's an exciting play. Mainly, also, typically, you got the PAT that is no sure thing anymore. That's something that's big-time when you're talking about the impact of the game. And, you know, I contend with all these great quarterbacks, offense being at its peak, and even bad teams having the ability to put up 21, 24 points in a given game. You know, you want a good kicker because that's the difference between winning and losing. That's the difference between an L and a W. And then if you're a head coach, whether you're on the hot seat or not, because the owners who don't know football, most of them, they just look at the win-loss record. And maybe a kicker is a guy that saves you a win or two in another year. And then you actually get your program running. So that was a big-time, big, uh, endorsement, I should say, was kickers, long snappers. I know that guy was hurt for the Bengals, and that's kind of what messed up McPherson with the with the laces in uh, on the one kick with uh, the Steelers right before overtime. Um, it's a team game, man. NFL football, absolutely love it. And it was on full display how it takes a 53-man roster week in and week out. So I'm just kind of getting uh, cozied in here in the office, undisclosed location in St. Louis, where I'm, I just watched the Sunday Night Football game, Bucks and Cowboys, and it's evident that the two things, or one thing for each team that we thought might be an issue heading into the game, that was definitely on full display. Buccaneers offensive line, they held up okay as the time, as the game went along, but then on the other side of things, with the Cowboys, the wide receiving core absolutely putrid for Dallas. And then Dak Prescott, he gets his hands knotted up on a uh, helmet. That almost never turns out good. From my experience, anytime a quarterback and his fingers get jammed on a helmet, you're, you're missing some games. It might be a month without Dak Prescott. That almost never turns out good. Whether, even if it's just, even if it's not broken, it's just like you can't grip the ball and then you can't complete passes. Like that, that's a, it's a bad deal. Really bad deal. And then on the other side of things, you got Tom Brady screaming at his offensive linemen, new guys who don't know what they're doing. He's trying to get the ball out quickly. Um, it, it was a bit of a dud on Sunday night, 19-3, to I think the final score was. I knew it was going to be low scoring. Did not think it would be that low scoring. Um, Tom Brady, despite it being his Jordan year, as Tarico called it, I like that, year 23 for TB12, he's still in the red zone deadly. They put up that stat. 58 touchdowns, zero interceptions. That just speaks to his value of three points. Nowadays, with go for it on fourth down, Brandon Staley, and uh, even uh, Mike McDaniel, he did that against the Patriots earlier today. You need to value three points. Again, because everybody can go tit for tat in this league. Offensively, we're going to see more overtime games, I think, than in any other year. We might even see more ties. You got to have a good kicker and you got to be good in the red zone, not just executing the red zone with touchdowns. Obviously, Brady is excellent with that 58 tutties, 
But you also got to make sure you're not turning the ball over. Because some of these guys, quarterbacks that is, they get down in the red zone and they're so gung-ho on executing, which, again, you're there, you've driven, you want to get away with uh, six points, but sometimes you screw up and then you get nothing. And then you miss out on three. And that's the difference between winning and losing. The, the margin of victory has just gone down and down each passing year because offense is up. So honing in on the fundamentals, TB12, he's running it back for another year. I have this team as the Super Bowl winners. I really do. I, I looked up during that game and I thought, huh, Todd Bowles, Byron Leftwich, defense and offense still in cohesion. Julio Jones looked better than ever than I've seen him young. Playoff Lenny, still there. Offensive line, tackles from last year on the left side and the right side. This is a team that's intact. Yeah, it's been a little bit of a weird offseason with Brady and him retiring, unretiring. He wanted to be with the Dolphins. He's now leaving to go to Costa Rica with his wife. Like, whatever. The guy is still dialed in. He can still do it. Ms. Taylor actually thinks he's ungodly thin. She, we were just talking about that. I was like, you know, I, I think he's maybe lost a couple pounds. She thinks he's like frail as can be, but he looked good tonight for what he had to work with. And Dallas, um, Amari Cooper, you didn't even ask him to restructure his contract. You didn't even entertain the idea of giving him an extension to make his salary a little bit more tolerable, bring down that average salary, because you're missing him right now. I didn't see many weapons out there for Dak Prescott to, to uh, throw to. Immediately when you got rid of Cooper, that became an area of need, and you didn't fix it. Gallup is not walking through that door anytime soon. He's not healthy enough to play. You only got 17 of these games. So, Dallas, you're 0-1. You got to go back to the drawing board on offense. Kellen Moore, this genius, apparently, who's in line to get all these head coaching jobs, even though nobody has offered him uh, uh, an invite to be the head coach of their team. Uh, This guy doesn't want to dial up any plays that gets the ball out of Dak Prescott's hands quick enough. So he's a question mark right now, along with Mike McCarthy as head coach overall. Not to say that they're on the hot seat, but it's just like you knew these things coming in and all the issues that you thought might be uh, trouble presented themselves on week one. So you got to have better contingency plans if you're the Cowboys. I still think this is a team that can win the East, but you got to get it going in a hurry here. I don't know how, how long the leash you have here in the 2021 season. One thing I was very confident about coming into week one, and it definitely played out exactly how I thought, was that the Chiefs were absolutely going to destroy the Arizona Cardinals. And they did. The Cardinals put up 21 points. I thought the Chiefs would put up 38. They ended up 40-balling the Arizona Cardinals in Phoenix. The Cardinals tried to win the season of week one. And the Chiefs showed up to win week one, and that's exactly what they did. Five touchdowns. Mahomes was a man on a mission. This is going to be a team on a mission now that Tyreek's gone. They got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Coach even said it themselves. And Andy Reid, he plays his guys in the preseason. He tackles during practices. It looks like an old-school team that's ready to play and win games week one. You, you see a lot with these teams. They're just they're not in shape. Things are not good offensively. They're not in tune because you're not playing in the games. You saw it with the Rams. They've gotten away with it in the past, but some of these teams may want to rethink if they're actually going to play some starters during the preseason. And the Chiefs, they were uh, they, everything was clicking for them. And then you look over on the other sideline, Arizona, the quarterback says they got their ass kicked. And then you have Kingsbury, the head coach, saying they need to practice better. 
this was week one, coach, and you're talking about how your team needs to dial it in and have better practice habits. Oh, my gosh. That's something you say in week nine if you're not winning. You're calling out your team after week one. That's This is a disaster potentially in Arizona. I'm not overreacting to the season so far in one game. This is something that is trouble if you're saying this after one game. Good teams do not speak this way. It's one thing if you got new faces um, at, at you know receiver positions and you got an established head coach and quarterback like New England. They were notorious for slow stars, but then they would figure it out. No, no, no. This, this is the same Arizona team. And they didn't patch up holes on the defensive side of the ball. I, I do not like the outlook for the Cardinals in 2022. It's why I did not pick them to make the playoffs. And you got the head coach saying that they got to practice better. Like, really? That, that's your job. That is your job. And then you lay an egg against Kansas City. This, this was supposed to be a game where you came out and made a statement after you got embarrassed in that playoff game against the Rams. And then your quarterback had all this drama. You were supposed to have your foot on the gas pedal against a KC defense that always takes a while to warm up with Spagnolo. They're always allocating less money on the defensive side of the ball. They always have lesser players. You should be taking advantage of them with all this firepower on offense. But they didn't do that. Arizona, I do not like the outlook for the Arizona Cardinals in 2022. One thing that was very telling after the Patriots-Dolphins game was Bill Belichick saying how the game was pretty well played on their end except for a couple plays. And in all my years listening to uh, post-game or uh, press conferences with Belichick, which I'm, I'm a sucker for a good press conference. I love when coaches get on the get at the podium and media's asking things and, and they give you a, a good bite to talk about. It's, it's why I do the podcast and a lot of times what we talk about. And for years, Bill Belichick always pointed to one or two things being the difference in a game. And that's why the team won. And that's all that matters. And good teams find a way to make those things. And in, he was doing the reverse this time, saying how the team played good except for those plays. And it's kind of like, okay, coach, in the past you said those are marks of a good team and that's what's going to make you a better team in more critical games here in the future. And, and, and now you're saying it's okay. So I don't know if like standards are just lower because you, you do have a second-year quarterback and you don't have talent that's coming in wanting to play with you because you are the Patriots and you always win. Or if he's just got to kind of soften and be a little bit more gentle with these players because he's 70 years old and these guys, you know, watch professional video game players. Like, it's just kind of like a disconnect maybe. And and I'm not saying the sky is falling in New England, but it's just, it, it's weird as the years pass. We're now on year three without Tom Brady in New England. Belichick's just turning into a different cat. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe you cannot be the same guy that you were 20 years ago because it is different times. But it, it's it's very strange to hear in New England. I, I think they're going to win a wild card. I really do because they have Bill Belichick. But the offense definitely will have to take some leaps here in the next three weeks or so to prove that they are getting this down. Offense is always ahead of defense in the NFL. Defense always takes longer to catch up. You want to know a good team, it's going to be the ones that are clicking come November where the defense is sound. And I think defensively, Patriots are going to be in great shape. 
Belichick is pulling the strings on that end, and so is his son, Steve Belichick. But offensively, if you don't see some traction here in the next three weeks, then the alarm bells can go off. And I think Matt Jones, studious guy, I saw some good plays in there, but they definitely got to be more explosive. And when you go down to South Florida and Tua Tagovailoa is the quarterback, you got to win that football game. But for whatever reason now, Tua's 3-0 and against Belichick. So uh, kind of just one of those quirky things. I don't know if it's South Florida, it's heat, and you're just not acclimated to it. But um, the words, uh, the, the record with Tua, the way the offense should be further along, just kind of a weird combination of things in New England. If it's not kind of settled by like week five, then I'm going to have a much higher level of urgency with New England. So I'm getting the notification now from the worldwide leader. Several weeks, says Jerry Jones, for Dak Prescott. Tweeted it out at Pete4C if you're not following. Anytime a quarterback hits his fingers on a helmet from a D lineman or even an offensive lineman, just, just not good. Not good. And yeah, Dallas... Not good for them staying in the hunt, at least here early. They're going to need some some games lost by the, the Eagles that are unexpected to keep them in the hunt now that Dak's probably going to be out for at least a month, maybe more. But I want to talk about the Atlanta Falcons and New Orleans Saints game. Dennis Allen, I think he's a rock star. I really do. Um, as far as X's and O's, he's, he's not Todd Bowles, who I think is a rock star, kind of like Mike Tomlin. I think he will be. On the field, Dennis Allen is as great of a defensive coordinator that you'll find. And now he's a head coach, and he's got the defense that he's still pulling the strings with, but he's got a healthy Jameis Winston. Michael Thomas is back in the picture, and then Chris Olave, or Olave, however you say it, from Ohio State. They, they got weapons, and it's a wide-open division. I think Tampa's going to you know take their lumps, and I have them being a wild card this year. But New Orleans scathed by Atlanta. And you know what? I just... Chalk it up to it being week one. You still got to get some things together, um, you know, rest in some starters. I know Michael Thomas hadn't played in the preseason due to the hamstring. Overall, this is going to be a team that is going to shock people, I think. I got them as the number two seed in the playoffs when it's all said and done. And they got the W, and I think they're going to hit their stride here very soon. But when we talk about the Falcons, Arthur Smith stormed out of the media room in uh, in Atlanta because he was mad at the press who, quote, buried us months ago. It's like, yeah, dude, you're Atlanta, and your general manager is taking a $46 million dead cap hit for your guys' players. $46 million you guys cannot use this year. That's a major disadvantage. Yeah, we are burying you. You have Marcus Mariota, a backup quarterback that you came in to have start. You, you took Desmond Ritter in the fourth round. You, you have no playmakers outside of Kyle Pitts. You got no offensive line. Yeah, we're burying you. Like, th- this is not what a coach says. Again, kind of like Cliff Kingsbury. You, you don't say these things after week one. Like, you, you're, you're already showing me that things are wearing on you. Like, you can't even make it out of training camp and you're already exhausted. Like, how is anyone supposed to believe in your program if you're storming out after the first loss in the first week of the season? You should be complimenting your team's effort and not worrying about the outside noise and say you're pissed off about it. 
I, I don't see Atlanta rallying around this. I don't see the locker room buying into Arthur Smith. Like, like let's remember, he had one good year as a coordinator, and then the owner hired him because he was good in the red zone. There was literally a video on the Falcons website that said the <laughs> the owner was speaking, and he said, well, he improves the red zone offense. That's the number one reason we hired this guy. It's like, yeah, because he had uh, a great loaded offense with Ryan Tannehill and a damn good head coach and Mike Vrabel. Arthur Smith is going to be out of there. If not this year, then the end of next year. So I just don't think when coaches think at the podium, it just puts your team at a disadvantage. You're not thinking about who's listening, what it means, and how the public perception is going to help or hurt you from an owner perspective. Because that's what the owners go off of, unfortunately. They go off of pub- public perception. So this this was a loss for the Falcons, both during the game and then also with their head coach, just letting a, a loss drag them down even further after regulation. Probably my favorite game of the week was outside of the Bears-Niners uh, game, which I, I love a good inclement weather game. I know some people don't like it. I like a good snow game, rain game. I like seeing the adjustments and... Miss Taylor was working today at the hospital, so she was texting me trying to get the, the game streamed on her phone. And we're going screenshot for screenshot, giving login and password, and she's telling me she can't figure it out. I'm saying, you got to hit DirecTV, you got to hit sign in, not sign up. And finally she gets in, but then she says it's the Saints and the Falcons that they're giving her because they pinned her down at you know 15 miles away from where I am at her house. And we're having trouble getting the Bears on her phone for her. And then eventually we figure it out. But then we're texting about the game, and it's it's just going back and forth. You got Jay Fields throwing a bomb uh, to Pettis, his old team. And then they're, they're pounding the rock to Montgomery and Khalil uh, Herbert. J- just a good game all around and a good win for Chicago. I don't know how many of those they're going to get this year, but uh, good mojo for week one. But my other favorite game, Raiders-Chargers. Justin Herbert, Joe Lombardi, this could be a pairing for the next, I don't know, decade, because I think Brandon Staley, if he keeps on the trajectory that he is, he's not going to be the head coach for the Spanos. They fire coaches like every three years. They go cheap on head coaches. They may have a diamond there flanking the head coach right now. Joe Lombardi is a former New Orleans Saints offensive coordinator, was there for every game of the golden years with Sean Payton. And he's in tune with Herbert. He has him running a pro-style offense, a complicated offense, and the guy's thriving. He's putting up points, and they're going in situations. They're they're blowing teams out. They're coming from behind. Uh, They're going back and forth. They won today. I picked the Raiders to win. I thought they might be able to capitalize on having a crowd travel very close to, to Vegas over there to SoFi. Ended up not happening. But overall, both teams played great football. Waller uh, and Renfro and and Adams, Josh McDaniels got the ball to the playmakers when he needed to in money time and got to have it time. And I think that's something the Raiders are going to be able to hang their hat on moving forward here. David Carr or Derek Carr, he's throwing the ball up. I know he he lost that fumble. That's going to be something you got to live with. You don't have a top-notch quarterback, but you got a top-notch head coach and play caller. That's why I believe in the Raiders long-term. If they ever do step it up, if they get a Herbert, watch out. Watch out, because McDaniels is definitely going to be calling uh, a good game, almost every game. And if he can get a defensive coordinator in there to stick around, 
they're going to be playing some great complimentary football. And this is going to be a rivalry for years to come, uh, along with Denver and Kansas City. It's just a great division. Maybe my favorite division in football, AFC West. Um, we all know, we've all talked about it. It's going to be a great one all year long. And it lived up to the hype here in week one. But I think the key thing to look out for is that Joe Lombardi, Justin Herbert, that could be the head coach and quarterback pairing that we're watching for the next decade. Okay, got to lastly hit on Albert Pujols, the machine. Late in games, he's coming up against a left-handed pitcher or a right-handed pitcher. Who's there to save you? Albert Pujols. The Cardinals don't need this guy just to sell tickets and to chase 700. This guy is hitting home runs during big impact moments. The last three home runs that I've seen from him have changed the game. They have won because of Albert Pujols. And what's amazing to me, he is not, you know, limping out there. He is healthy. His swing looks forceful, more forceful than I've seen in five years from the machine. And he's playing first base. And, you know, there there was one game he was limping around the bases and I got a little bit worried. But other than that, like, the guy is not, you know, going through the dog days of August and September like most veterans do. He's 42. And it's it's been a fun summer. And it's going to be a fun September leading into October to see him coming off the bench and playoff games, maybe even getting a start uh, against a left-handed starter during October. Uh, He's going to be impactful. He's not going to be a guy that you originally thought back in April, this could get ugly come May, June, and then it did. And then you were like, geez, are they going to cut him? They probably should cut him, but they won't do it because of uh, the marketing and and just... uh, him being a, a legend in St. Louis, but then he turned it the heck on and it just came out of nowhere. And I think he's feeding off the energy. Um, he also is just in shape. So it's great to see. And 700 seems like a cinch now three home runs to go. Albert pools. We're going to be watching this week. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Everybody tell your friends about the show, the podcast at Pete four C you can find the podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts and at Pete4C. We're on Twitter mostly posting our thoughts. Look out for Pete's picks. I'm now doing it with Vegas, letting you know what the line is, the over-under, show you what I do. I don't actually track or take into account what Vegas has to say. I just go off my own memory and and my own research and the things that I think are important, but then you can also see what they're saying uh, for your betters guide to make some money. So Pete's picks on Twitter before every NFL game. Tell your friends, tell your family. Thanks so much for choosing the podcast.